While you're slaving over a hot computer, we're entertaining and informing you. Sit back and listen carefully. Enjoy some great conversation with TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. Just listen. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, according to today's USA Today, they're making a green sleeve, uh, green laundry detergent, green dish soap, um, now up 23% uh, with people wanting to use products that don't harm them or the environment. Well, you've heard us talk about it on a regular basis. What's the best medicine? Is it uh, conventional medicine? Well, it certainly shines when it comes to trauma and emergency. Uh, what about uh, traditional medicines? What about complementary and alternative medicine? Or combining the best of all options? Dr. Mitchell again joins us today. He's doing integrative uh, stem cell research, uh, which combines complementary and alternative medicine with cutting-edge stem cell research. Our line's open to invite you to join us any of your health care questions at one 800 right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Pancreatic cancer is not one of those diagnoses to be taken lightly. Just a small percentage, minority percentage of those patients are alive even one year, much less five years later. So what can we do when it comes to lifestyle to reduce our risk of pancreatic cancer? University of California, San San Francisco, weighing in, uh, actually publishing this research in the American Journal of Epidemiology, that eating more whole grain more fiber-rich food can lower the risk of developing pancreatic cancer by up to 40%. They found that those individuals in this study who ate the most fiber had the least amount of pancreatic cancer as compared to those eating the least amount of fiber. Of course, we know that um, eating a processed diet leads to more insulin resistance, more obesity, and thereby more cancer overall. Uh, they, these two groups in this clinical study were similar in age, gender, and body weight. All had a similar history of uh, diabetes. Uh, there was a decided difference in terms of what food they consumed. So, the growing evidence uh, suggests that even if we have a genetic predisposition for certain forms of cancer, we can turn on, activate, or inactivate genes just with the lifestyle choices that we make. The conclusion is that the risk association, reductions associated with some whole grain products and fiber provide general support for the hypothesis that grains are better. Uh, whole grains, unrefined grains, are better than refined and sweetened grains for pancreatic cancer prevention. Uh, 
Well, this comes from the current edition of the journal Hypertension, uh, that journal, of course, all about high blood pressure, University of Maryland research, indicating that arterial stiffness, uh, we start to have uh, increased pulse pressure levels, higher baseline pulse wave velocity, uh, two measures of increased arterial stiffness uh, as we age. In fact, uh, this was part of the Baltimore Longitudinal Study of Aging, linking um, arterial stiffness to high blood pressure. In fact, they found that systolic hypertension, in other words, you have um, the upper number of your blood pressure reading, that, you know, that 120 over 80. Well, 120 is your systolic reading, systolic hypertension. So, in other words, that upper reading is too is too big, too high, which is the dominant form of high blood pressure among adults in this country age 50 and older, largely attributed to increase arterial stiffness. These researchers went on to take a look at if there was a relationship between arterial stiffness and brain function. Found there was. They found uh, that markers of arterial stiffness predict that person's decline in memory and concentration, which is interesting because we now know that fish oil is a very important nutrient when it comes to diminishing arterial stiffness. There are other agents that are important for endothelial, in other words, the lining of your blood vessel function, and those include uh, nutrients like green tea, uh, nutrients like resveratrol, uh, along with the fish oil. So perhaps um, if you want to address arterial stiffness, which uh, links systolic high blood pressure with the diminished memory and concentration, Perhaps uh, fish oil, plus resveratrol, little green tea, little L-arginine are the nutrients of the future to connect the dots and reduce the risk of all of these conditions. Well, it's sobering information according to the Institute of Medicine with much of the media buzz last week about those newborn twins who were incorrectly given a thousand times the intended dose of of Coumadin, a blood thinner, at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, underscoring one of the biggest problems that face you and me as a healthcare consumer in this country, medication errors that serious injuries associated with, medic, uh, with medication errors has gone up dramatically. Uh, about 35,000 people uh, seriously injured because of medication errors in 1998. In 2005, that was 90,000. Now the estimate is at least 1.5 million Americans each year are injured after either receiving the wrong medication or the incorrect dose that in the most recent year tallied, which was 2005, 15,000 deaths were recorded because of medication errors. And it seems to be um, that most of them are linked to a certain number of drugs. The five most commonly associated drugs associated with medication errors in the hospital are warfarin, heparin, insulin, morphine, and potassium chloride. 
In fact, uh, they found that the safe use of anticoagulants, blood thinners like heparin, is one of the top national patient safety goals of the Joint Commission uh, because these blood thinners um, have a very narrow window of safety uh, not to be taken lightly with the sobering uh, statistic that hospital, hospital medication errors widespread now affecting up to 1.5 million Americans each and every year pharmacists stocking the drugs improperly nurses don't double check to make sure that they're dispensing proper medication doctors banned handwriting resulting in the wrong drug being administered the fact that in a hospital setting that you are not made aware uh, nor is your permission authorization sought when medications are administered to you the healthcare is just beginning to realize how big a problem it has with uh, patient safety in this case because of medication errors where they're called flavonoids where do we find them we find them in sources like uh, flax uh, particularly high lignin flax uh, we find flavonoids in chocolate and green tea red wine a new epidemiologic study thanks to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill indicating women newly diagnosed with breast cancer those that had the highest dietary intake of flavoins and isoflavoins um, uh, lowered their overall all-cause mortality by up to 48%. Green tea, red wine, soy, fruits and vegetables, flavonoids, um, um, a focus of increasing study uh, since oxidative stress has been linked to an increased risk of diseases that include heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's, perhaps uh, means that the uh, dietary focus of the future will not only be on eating your colors, but making sure that you understand where these flavonoids, uh, flavonoid-like compounds, these flavonoids, uh, flavoids, are located and consuming uh, more fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, flax, soy, red wine, and tea on a regular basis, uh, indicating that flavonoids link to better breast cancer survival, according to this published study in the journal Cancer Epidemiology, Biomarkers, and Prevention. Sobering information indicating that women between the ages of 45 and 54 twice as likely as their male counterparts to suffer a stroke. And that's a great segue to what is the best medicine? We have many from which to choose. It's daunting to even the most savvy healthcare consumer. Dr. Mitchell Ginn is our guide today, the medical director of Eden Laboratories. What's the best medicine for you? 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Check out Deborah Ray online, now with live audio streaming and audio archives of past shows, plus news stories, guest information, and the fast way to find books you've heard mentioned on the show, only at HealthyTalkRadio.com. 
A special guest joining us today for an important discussion. You and I, uh, thanks to the ever-evolving literature, and come on, uh, thanks to the Internet now, <laughs> we have access to uh, uh, medical information online journals uh, to the extent that that's dizzying, mind-boggling these days. So how do we choose? What's the best medicine? We remain, uh, according to all the savvy media watchers in this country, a real disconnect when it comes to the scientific literature. For example, you have a heart attack. Anywhere else in the world, you get a physician prescription for fish oil. In this country, (laughs) no, we push prescriptions and push procedures. So joining us today to talk about what's the best medicine? How do we make informed decisions? Is there an integrative approach uh, that takes advantage of some cutting edge research, including some of the new promise of stem cells, is a noted integrative practitioner. He has written uh, textbooks in anti-aging medicine and compounding pharmacy. He joins today with his hat on as the medical director of Eden Laboratories. He's Dr. Mitchell Ginn. Dr. Ginn, hello and welcome. Well, hi, Deborah. I can tell you the best way to find out information if you want to know the real information and the truth is very simple. Just call my mother on the phone. She'll tell you exactly what's going on. <laughs> and uh, then you'll, you'll know which one to use and which not because mothers always know best. They sure do. And the science always <laughs> backs them up, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, it's true, unfortunately, because of so much of the uh, things that you hear and you read about, you know, you don't, you really can't throw your hat on it and be really comfortable thinking that this is the way. As a matter of fact, you know, if you really look carefully at how articles and uh, even peer-reviewed articles are constructed, you have to be cautious to never, I mean never, put your answer in one article only because that one article, you know, has a lot of background to it, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. So choosing sometimes requires multiple sources, multiple intervention. Of course, at the end of the day, hopefully someone you trust that can make heads or tails out of it, like mom. <laughs> Absolutely, but as you well know, I mean, you've gone this through, through, through this with with your parents. You know, all of us have have aging relatives as well as you know just out in the community these days. It's it's an often asked topic. You know, where do you find out your treatment options, and then how do you make an informed decision about what best meets your uh, your healthcare needs? Uh, because um, you know, we see about you know, for example, the the promise of stem cells. How does that fit into the picture, Dr. Ginn? Well, you know, stem cells is the very, very uh, cutting edge. It's it's actually riding the crest of the wave into what we call the new frontier. I mean, you know, you have to look at what's available for any particular disorder that someone has, and I think that's where you should start. What's available? So regardless whether it's heart or your leg or whatever it is, you have to recognize, one, there's a conventional community where you can Google and Yahoo and do a few of the other deeper search engines to come up with some uh, literature that may serve your purpose pretty well. Then you have to look at the integrative field and see, you know, what are the things that are that could have been used by the body that might or might aid the body in healing itself because I still always go back to the same adage. I mean, we have the capability of healing ourselves. Can we give ourselves the right nutrients, vitamins, lifestyle changes that can allow it to do that? And then third, of course, is this new piece, which is the stem cell um, uh, component, which is a regenerative medicine. Again, it's in the early phases of a trial and treatment, but the 
it's going to play a major role as well because stem cells, as they're introduced into the body, if there is a damaged area, regardless whether it's the leg or the heart, and which has been shown pretty clearly now, it's going to go ahead and start repairing these particular areas. So it's all three. So when you go to do a search, you really need to look in all three areas simultaneously before you make any decisions about yourself or what you're going to do. There's an awful lot out there, an awful lot. And there's also the the unfolding evidence, and, and your insight, please, uh, Dr. Gen, um, that we are not optimally nourished. That um, uh, you know, orthomolecular medicine has has much science to to back up, uh, you know, optimizing our our health and in you know so many ways. Um, and then there's you know the balance of, of flora. Um, you know this revelation. Uh, it's it's gone so much mainstream that we are microbial beings. Weave that into the conversation too, as you if you would please. All right, well, let me start with the first thing you said, which is really an important issue. Uh, this orthomolecular, you know, the idea of using uh, vitamins and minerals and nutrients in therapeutic dosage, and this is a very big key because unfortunately. Most of the conventional community is not aware nor clear nor has the education to be able to use it perfectly or or properly. I give you a very simple example, which I think we've talked about many times, but certain worthy of uh, repetition at this point, and that is, if you look at magnesium levels, typically you go to a cardiologist, which you, we have the heart as the original example. You would check a magnesium level, which is probably one of the best antiarrhythmics known to humankind, I would imagine, you know, with the central fatty acids. And uh, you do a level typically from the blood, and it shows, oh, look, your magnesium level is fine. You don't need any extra magnesium. Take a magnesium pill because you have a little extra PVC, so take a magnesium pill. Yes, good not good enough. And why not good enough? And why not good enough lands itself because the the uh, magnesium is an intracellular, for example, an intracellular inside the cell, for those that don't understand that word, type of nutrient, which means that when you measure the blood, you're measuring outside the cell, so you're really not getting a good reading. So hence, often the patient is quite underdosed on the appropriate amount of magnesium, and hence, uh, one of the Number one or number two, I'm sure I'm within that uh, range, uh, mineral deficiencies, especially in men, if not in women as well. And to go further uh, into to this uh, discussion, as you were suggesting, you know, all systems are connected. Right. For example, right. let's use the heart again. Sure. We know that H. pylori, which is in the gut, for example, can and will cause, um, you know, ulcer disease. But there is a good literature that also says that H. pylori will also cause and can cause heart disease simultaneously. Well, that's a problem thinking about that. But we, we forget, and certainly the cardiologists often forget, as well as the family doctor and the internist, that the gut is associated and is not only associated, but it's connected to the heart. I mean, you know, when you eat something, the nutrients, things go into your gut. That gut-associated lymphoma tissue is responsible for a lot of your immune response and also responses from hormonal to neurotransmitter, etc. They're all connected. And of course, the flora, uh, which you were suggesting, meaning the um, the balance of the good and the bad bacteria, must also exist. So, you know, as we as we weave this web, Deb, of course, the, you know, the, the folks listening are going, wow, my gosh, it's, it's getting even more complicated when Dr. Ken's talking nowadays. It's worse. How do I figure this out? Well, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to separate some of this uh, for you during this um, time and this hour to try to get some ideas and some good ideas where to go. But always, never forget that a good 
integrative or a good healthcare practitioner who is very well steeped in the alternative integrative art, so to speak, of nutrition is invaluable. And, and you really need to have someone like that by your side to be able to figure this all out, but we're going to try. Well, because you brought up that great example of uh, magnesium, worthy of a discussion if you also weigh in, uh, Dr. Gann, about drug-induced nutrient depletion. So we could let our fingers through, uh, go, uh, through the walking in some of those reference books. And if you take a look at you know, drugs that impact magnesium levels or coenzyme Q10 levels or, or the, the B vitamin levels, um, uh, we've got a, a lot of challenges out there when it comes to nutritional health. Oh, for certain. And when you consider, uh, Deb, that there's, a, you know, the average 65-year-old is pushing what, um, you know, maybe uh, 10, 12 drugs. Uh, and if you look up any one of them in a good nutritional text where they have done these assays, you know, cortisone, horrible. I mean, really reduces the, the nutritional uh, uh, things in your body. Re- the requirements go up significantly. Um, you know, the, the warfarin, the Coumadin, uh, the, the, uh, the satin drugs, all of these will up our requirements significantly, and hence the word individuality will come into play. And this individuality and what your requirements are to help you with this and where to look is something we'll discuss, I guess, when we come back, because it's a very important concept. You are not the same as them, but still there are basics that need to be covered. Dr. Mitchell Gann, our guide today, what's the best medicine? How do you make an informed decision? 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. I'm Deborah Ray. Dr. Mitchell Ginn, uh, our guide today to uh, what's the best medicine. All of us have health care challenges from time to time. We discuss on a regular basis uh, treatment options, how to make the uh, informed decision about what's best for you. And we were talking about some of those factors, including drug-induced nutrient depletions, uh, which uh, often plague, uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know, the, the, the heart patient or now we're hearing more about it uh, as it relates to, to cancer, Dr. Again, uh, that often those nutrient depletions can be uh, as considerable as the original <laughs> disease challenge itself. Oh, it sure can. Um, and of course, uh, when you look at the uh, drugs we're using, for example, using your, exam- uh, your example of a chemotherapeutic agent, for example, the remarkable amount of nutrient deficiency is, uh, is it depends, of course, on the individual drug. But in many of the cases, it's a fairly aggressive loss. I mean, that's one of the things that has been written about many, many times, that chemotherapy reduces certain nutrients in the body to a very, very low level, often disregarded, of course, by the conventional community, oncologists. Why? I don't know. I guess it's just not taught, um, nor maybe is it of interest uh, for whatever reason, but it's certainly there. It's certainly shown in, in good uh, components and good literature, um, not once, but literally hundreds and hundreds of times. And, uh, and the key is, if you don't put this nutrients back, uh, then you're going to have other significant problems. For example, whatever damage the chemotherapeutic agent does, um, it, it, it is worsened 
by the fact that it also depletes certain nutrients which are needed for good cellular metabolism. And then when they're not, when they're not there, um, then it becomes a, a real difficulty as well. So uh, the nutrient story is a, is a very, very important one for all of us. I mean, I think it's pretty clear we need to take a, a certain level of, of all nutrients a day. The question is, what level is the most important or needed for you? Right. depends on many different things. Your age, your, 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 your lifestyle, your problems, your weight, your height. I mean, the list is quite extensive, but certainly we have to, we have to look at it very carefully. But you know, even with, with the promise of, of, of stem cells, I mean, on, on a daily basis, it comes out in the medical literature that you know whether it's um, helping to reverse a, a damage after a heart attack, uh, you know whether it's restoring memory. If, if we overlook some of these fundamental lifestyle, nutrition-based, uh, uh, you know, opportunities as, as well as as uh, you know, uh, I guess challenges in terms of, of identifying unique nutrient needs. Uh, you know, making sure that we're optimizing that nutrition. You know, are, is is that the best medicine, Doctor Ken? Because you all are practicing a very interesting integrative stem cell approach to some pretty uh, difficult healthcare challenges. Oh, for sure. And I think we've recognized a long time ago, at least I recognize and the people that surround me recognize for certain, um, you can't just put a stem cell in the body and expect that's the end and that's the cure. I mean, you know, the, this is a typical Western junk that goes on. One thing, one problem. And it just doesn't work like that. We're much more complex. And it's it's terribly, I mean, terribly naive to think that, you know, if you have this, then that meaning one thing sitting over there on the counter in the bottle, you open up, pop out the uh, little uh, plastic wrap, pull out the cotton, and that one thing is going to save you, and that's the end of that. It's silly. It's just so silly, especially since we know today the molecular mechanisms are so complex. We've just scratched the surface of them. So what we've done is, of course, we've married the combination of nutritional therapy along with stem cell. I mean, because there's no question if you put a stem cell into a body, that's depleted. Um, that's not capable of supporting a growth of a cell. If it didn't before, how is it going to now by sticking some new cells in the body or perhaps even the person's own cells? doesn't make it any better. You've got to correct the nutritional steps that are needed. You know, we have, you know, dozens and dozens of uh, vitamins required to allow us to do certain work and molecular work at, at different levels. And I just... Um, Deb, I reviewed a, a very important article. It's not out yet, so I can't mention the name. It will be out shortly. I reviewed it for one of the top uh, researchers in the world had asked me to review this article, talking about uh, regenerative medicine. And he uh, spoke only of uh, the stem cell and something called the blastema. That's, you know, how like a salamander, excuse me, has a the edge of a tail gets cut off. It regenerates. And looking at that, because that's really a group of stem cells, and I, I carefully wrote back for, to really see good regenerative medicine. I came up with 12 or 13 points. And um, one of them, of course, was without the nutritional consequences yeah. simultaneously yeah. occurring, right. uh, or the, or the repletion of these so that the body is optimized, you are not going to see the regenerative type of medicine optimization or, or the results that you were going to expect. You're going to be disappointed. You know what? He wrote back and decided to incorporate yeah. everything I said into the article. And, and quote me. So he realized, too, wow, this is right. Regenerative medicine is going to mean a lot more than just the stem cell. It's going to mean the stem cell. It's going to mean lifestyle. It's going to mean nutri- nutri- nutritional. It's just going to take a lot more than just the simple throw one thing at the wall and that's it. 
because you know, uh, you know talking about orthomolecular medicine um, you know really comes down to the the body's biochemistry you know so so that you know the 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 skew the bias we find in the media uh, for example uh, um, online right now is just a, a beautiful Israeli study um, stopped midstream not even halfway through where they were able to cut in half. Uh, heart attacks, strokes, cardiovascular events uh, with diabetics, giving them no more than 400 international units a day of vitamin E. Uh, you know, this discussion, you know, is vitamin E safe, you know, belies the fact that doesn't even, uh, you know, even make sense in terms of really understanding the body's biochemistry, Dr. Gen. I know. It, you know, it's, uh, it, we've gone through, you know, this issue of vitamin E ever since the Shoot Brothers, remember them in Canada? Sure. Um, who used to use uh, the vitamin E, and actually they used to use the uh, uh, the vitamin E intravenously. Uh, you know, I, I've never seen it, but they used to talk about it too. And and then you know you had this whole um, the health food industry, and I'll use that word uh, loosely, not and admiringly, please. Um, that you know uh, touting the vitamin E, and then you suddenly had the conventional uh, community deciding to do a meta analysis, meaning going back and picking papers they want to pick to show that vitamin E actually shortened life and it wasn't as good. And then, of course, the rebuttal came. And the truth of the matter is, if you want to take vitamin E, vitamin E needs to be in the natural form because it's thirty percent reduction when you use the isomers or the or the the vitamin E that's not the natural. And number two, you need to have a whole gamma with it. You know, the gamma that. When I said the gamma, I meant the whole thing. The gamma tocopherol, the beta tocopherol, the delta, all have to be together, maybe even the tocotrienols. That's why I like to take them when they're mixed. And now an article, I don't think it even two weeks, I know you'll know, but just about two weeks ago, said that we're way underdosing uh, vitamin A when they looked at all the studies. That vitamin A probably should be up 800 to 25 or 3,000 units a day. Uh, for patients to get the results. And now this Israeli study, which I'm not familiar with that you just told me, but certainly makes sense. But again, and this is important for the folks that are listening, it's very, very important. Everything works synergistically. That's the key. It's not just vitamin A. It's not just magnesium. It's not just selenium. It's not just iodine. It's not just uh, CoQ10. Everything works together. It's really a combination of things that work and harmony. It makes sense when you think of, you know, just to make coenzyme Q10 take 17 steps in the body. So you could imagine one is depending on the other, and there's vitamins that are in between that that are required. So if you're missing one, you don't make the, the necessary amount of CoQ. So you give your body that. But you, do you need B1, B2, B6, the water-soluble vitamins, vitamin C every day? Absolutely. Do you need a CoQ every day? Oh, I would imagine if you're over the age of 40, I guarantee you're not making what you were before. And number two, if you're taking a statin drug, you smoke cigarettes, I mean, the list goes on and on, you need it as well. So um, it's a combination of putting all of them together. And if you don't know, I mean, if the show still leaves you when you walk away today and turn off and say, okay, I agree with Gen and Ray, and I think that what they're telling us is correct. But what do I do as an individual? And other than the fact of seeing a healthcare practitioner that I told you earlier that's savvy in this field, um, one of the things you need to do is really always look at four things. I'm going to say it now because I, I've said it before, and it's important. A good multiple vitamin, one that's not taken once a day. I don't like one a day. one that's taken several times a day. A good coenzyme Q10, that's extremely important. The essential fatty acids, without question, I'd like a balanced one. And then, and then some probiotic. That's the beginning. Now, how much of that should you take? 
is not something you're going to necessarily be able to just take out of literature and say, okay, this article said we should take this, I should take that, because you could disbalance other things. But that's the beginning. Read a lot. Take it all with you and take it to your physician or your integrative practitioner, more likely, to listen to you and say, look, I read that this is this. What do you think? And if they just say, you know, poo-poo, you know, you don't need this or something like that, it's ridiculous, no study's ever shown, you know, blah, blah, blah. When they start that, it's time to start looking for another physician, I assure you, because it just means they're ignorant. Because anyone who has studied well this, the, the literature on, on nutrition fills storehouses. And, and you, we both know that's totally true, right, Deb? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, you know you, you see situations, um, you know, particularly in in hospital situations as well as uh, um, in our in our senior care centers, where you know the the, the lack of focus on nutrition, uh, you know, not only you know sets the stage of what is it now two point one million hospital acquired infections each year. We, we know, um, you know, beautiful Harvard study. You know, seniors who take more antioxidants have have better immune function. <laughs> Yet, you know, what passes for nutrition in most hospitals, particularly when it comes to our seniors, is really shameful, Doctor Gen. Yeah, dietitians, the old dietitians, still working on the old pyramid. Even the new one, I think, stinks as well. That I looked at. You know, um, the, the, the dietitians are out to do dietary. They try to make sure you get one of each of the food groups. I don't know. It used to be four. I don't know. We're three or five. I, I, I'm so confused with it. I myself don't follow it because it's, it's just ridiculous. But we forget there's so many other issues that are involved. I mean, you have, you know, you have wheat allergies. You have gluten allergies um, that can make a big difference in how someone feels. And if you just eliminate those things, it does make a difference. Um, you have certain people that need lower fat. You need certain people that need higher fat diets. Certain people need more of the uh, more fluids, for example. And, you know, the list uh, goes on and on and on and on. And so we need to, we need to, as a group, realize that the nutri- nutrition is something very different that which typically pervade in a hospital or even in a school system. Nutrition means a careful evaluation of the individual. And I think sooner or later we're going to need to change the definition of nutrition to something that has a requirement of looking specifically at someone, not because of their age, not because of just their, their sex, but because of who and what they are, what they ingest, what they breathe, what they eat, how much they work out, etc., because the requirements will change drastically. Once we get to that level, then we will truly start changing things in this world, I believe. Because, you know, the, the knowledge that we actually affect our genes by the lifestyle choices that we make, you know, the Japanese study that laughter inactivated 27 <laughs> different genes uh, that, that affect blood sugar, um, the recent work uh, just in the last week about how arsenic uh, can affect 450 uh, uh, genes, that those lifestyle choices can make a fundamental uh, you know, change on a cellular basis. That's pretty, uh, not only amazing, but empowering because we can make a difference then, Dr. Ken. Oh, yes. And I think that's a good point that you bring up about how little things make a big thing. You know, we always think that, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that's no big deal, a little bit of arsenic. And someone listening goes, well, so where am I getting arsenic from? You know, years ago, no big deal. You know, they put it on the cotton to kill the bow weevils in the south, and I was never there, and I didn't do that, so where would I get arsenic? Well, you then, then the, uh, the thing was with arsenic was in the um, wood industry. 
they treated the wood with the arsenic to stop the uh, bugs from eating it. And then, of course, that has uh, since uh, been uh, basically pushed aside as well. And then, of course, uh, what people don't realize is arsenic is used in the chickens to fatten them to kill the parasites. So every time you eat a non-organic, free-range type of chicken, you're eating some level of arsenic. And arsenic, by the way, for those who are listening, I don't know why I got started on arsenic, Deb. It's just that because you say something, you know, it triggers me. Um, arsenic is just one molecule different than selenium. So if you do not get a good selenium quantity in your body, which is required every day, 200 micrograms, and in some instances up to 1,000 micrograms, if you have any arsenic load, then it's going to make a difference. And you could say, well, what about this? It's just a little load. What's, a, what's the problem with just a little bit of arsenic? And the problem with a little bit is it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of over there. And eventually, all these things add up, and they start to interfere with how the cell does its job. And that's all we are. 75 to 100 trillion cells doing a job to make it what is called you. And so if you continue to allow, I'll have just a little bit of this, a little bit of fried food, a little bit of, you know, mercury exposure, a little bit of preservatives, a little bit of everything, then these little bits all add up over years, not just today or tomorrow, over years. And hence the reason why you need to make changes for your children, not tomorrow, but today, so they don't have the type of diseases and problems we have or we're looking at because we didn't do these things. And then we're going to a break. I guess that's where we'll leave it for now. Back with more of Dr. Mitchell again joining us today, talking about best medicine. How do you make an informed decision about what best meets your health care needs? Right here on Healthy Talk Radio, I'm Deborah Ray. If you're still smoking your herbs instead of eating them, then you need Healthy Talk Radio. The best medicine with the integrative practitioner, the medical director of Eden Laboratories, uh, Dr. Mitchell Ginn, joining us today, EdenLaboratories.net. And we were talking about um, how you know the, the next paradigm shift uh, not only involves uh, energy medicine, uh, but also the fact that each one of us have a unique genetic map. Those genes build the closet. It's up to us how we take uh, how we take care of, fill that closet. Um, and that nutrition and lifestyle uh, are, are part of those those factors that even affect genetic expression. Um, I mean, it's, it's just fascinating, particularly you know from the world of of cancer and, and neurodegenerative diseases. Start again. Yes, the genes do play a role in what we are dealt. You know, but it's like any card game. You know, there's some people play cards much better than others. You know, you could be dealt a hand that only has maybe, uh, you know, one pair of something and three cards are just all over the place. It doesn't mean you don't walk away with a royal flush or a full house by the end of the, um, end of the game. The difference between the card game analogy and us is that the card game is sort of a game of chance. You know, uh, you, well, you could be a card counter, but still the cards that are laid out for you are what you get when the dealer gives them to you is what you're going to get on the next round when you throw in your three that you didn't like. Very different for the human body. And the human body, what's great about it is is that knowing that your delta hand that wasn't the best to begin with, it may be set up for heart disease, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases like you suggested, the key, I think, that's really great, and the thing that's important that that can that you can do, is that by repleting uh, those areas of nutrition, 
will, will definitely change the genomics and will make a difference because there is a large component of the DNA called the epigenome, which basically this epigenome tells the gene how to reproduce, how to produce and, and to express the, either the difficulty or non-difficulty or the protein that it's going to make. It's very different um, with the human being since you can take those nutrients that we know nowadays and probably at least mitigate, if not stop, at least mitigate a tremendous amount of the potential problems that we all have. Now, everyone's different. We all have what's called single nucleotide polymorphisms, meaning we have a little change. One that may allow me to take an aspirin, may not let you, Deb, take an aspirin, or will let me take a large dose of vitamin C, for example, or let not the next person take a large vitamin C. But there are things that could be done outside of even a stem cell transplant, which certainly will make a difference, but just by good nutrition. Again, the key folks at the end of this program is individuality, learning as much as you can, putting together, taking it to a healthcare practitioner, calling us here on the air and learning more. And believe it or not, there's so much you could do for yourself and your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. EdenLaboratories.net would tell a little bit more about Dr. Ginn's work. Always a privilege. Always a pleasure. Dr. Ginn, thank you so much. If you missed anything, want to share it? We're archived for two weeks online, healthytalkradio.com. We also post today's healthcare news there. Our thanks to Dr. Gen. Our thanks to you. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you live long, stay healthy.